0: Welcome to Mind Your Own Karma, The Adoption Chronicles. I'm your host, Melissa Brunetti. In this second season of Mind Your Own Karma, we're tackling the subject of adoption. Yes, adoption most of the time is a wonderful experience. You have the generous birth parents, the excited adoptive parents, and this lucky little baby. Everyone lives happily ever after, right? But what I want you to know is, there's so much more to these stories. I'm an adoptee myself, and I wanna bring all sides of the adoption journey to you And hopes to educate you and to bring understanding to the subject. We're about to get real and raw here, so let's dive right in. Hey there, Karma crew. It's Melissa Brunetti, the host of Mind Your Own Karma, the Adoption Chronicles. I'm so glad you're here today to listen to part two of Donna Marie's adoption story. If you missed part one of Donna Marie's story, the link is in the show notes, or you can pick up right here and listen to today's episode. Last week, we talked about Donna Marie and her growing up in a family that had a lot of foster kids, although she was adopted. All those foster kids got to see their birth parents and she did not get to do that because her adoption was a closed adoption. She also talks about how she felt growing up multiracial in a white family. And although she grew up in a positive adoption experience, so her adoptive parents were wonderful parents, she still had that primal wound, that longing to know her birth family and to find someone that looked like her, that had the same color skin as her, that had the same hair as her, and how growing up in that environment caused her to be a shy girl and kind of a target for abuse as she grew up. We also discussed that at an early adolescent age, she had a longing to find her birth mother and she wanted to see a picture of her so badly that a social worker finally was able to show her a picture of her mother it wasn't the picture that Donna Marie had imagined in her mind. Although her mother was a beautiful woman, the photo that they showed her was not what she had been dreaming of all these years. And then soon after that, finding out that her mother had committed suicide. There's just so, so much packed into that first episode. So you might want to go back and listen to that. So we're going to dive right into the story where we left off, and we are going to begin with how Donna Marie found her birth father's side of the family. Super interesting how this came about. So I hope you enjoy. Take a listen. So what about your others, your dad's side then? What happened with that? So thankfully,
1: um, the name, and I say thankfully, the name I was given for my birth father, my biological father, wasn't known amongst my boyfriend's best friend. Um, it was a different name, uh, not surname, but first name. Right. So I moved on to an elephant and castle and just carried on, met my brother, left that boyfriend, met a new boyfriend, a a good guy. Um, and, um, yeah, 15 years later, I'm um, going to meet a girlfriend in Birmingham. I now live in Birmingham, which is where my brother lives. This is at this point. And she's a good friend of mine. I go and meet her in a pub one night and she um, starts telling me about her boyfriend who has the same surname as my biological father. Um, But then she starts talking about his sister, and he mentions the name of the girl that I knew and went on holiday with. Mm. And the penny started to drop. And I said, <laughs> Can you find out what his father's first name is. Yeah. Is it this? She goes into the toilet, rings him. It's quite late. It's a Friday night, I think, in the pub. So it's quite noisy. So she goes in mm-hmm. there. She comes out looking like white as a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, Donna, I think his dad's your dad. Oh my gosh! And it was oh my gosh because it wasn't just him; it was the sister that I, it turns out I've got four sisters. I only found one just recently, but I found three sisters that night and um, mm. four brothers. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah. and I wow. found I found out that my biological father had passed uh in year 2000. Mm. And this was in 2006. Mm. Wow! So um yeah, it's crazy. A lot of siblings, <laughs> a lot of siblings and aunties. He was one of 16 brothers and sisters. So oh. lots of aunties and uncles, huge
0: family. Lots of cousins.
1: And one of the, one of yeah. the daydreams that I used to have as a child was I used to daydream that I wanted to be in a family that was the same color as me, a big family, like the one I was in but everybody the same color as me. That's what I wanted. That was my, in my head.
0: Right. And that's what I've got now. That's cool. I know it's weird when you meet your um, siblings, because when I met my biological mom and dad, it wasn't that I was looking for a mom and dad. So it was kind of a weird, awkward, who are you to me? You know, who are you going to be in my life? What are my kids going to call you? It's just kind of weird. Right but siblings, you can have 50 siblings and they're your siblings. Like it's just, it's not hard at all. Mm. I I think my, my biological mom wanted to be my mom. Um, I had parents and I was very protective of them and how they raised me. And I didn't want anybody (laughs) to say anything about what they did you know or anything I was very very protective so it was it was awkward it was awkward but like I said siblings that's a whole different story it's it's a lot easier to deal with the siblings I think
1: yeah no I I can I think for me it this it was easier for me when I was younger to sort of talk feel an opening because all Mm -hmm. the other children had an opening yeah their families and it was natural for them. And I think, and again, I'd love this to be a conversation I have with my, my mom a bit more about that. Like, like you know, were you feeling that? Were you feeling mm-hmm. like the unfairness in this, in not being able to, you know, um, because yeah, I, I, I can understand why you wouldn't want to hurt them. You wouldn't, you know, to, oh, I'm going to go and fight.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like we're placed in such Difficult situations, aren't we? Like with adoption. The education back then was so different. You know, I think um, everybody thought that not addressing the elephant in the room was what you were supposed to do. Because if you did, then that would make you feel less a part of the family. So let's not bring that up, you know. And that's where the education needs to come in now because it doesn't hurt to talk about it. It's nothing. Um, especially like you, you're in my experience, cause we had good experiences. There's nothing that our adoptive parents could have done differently to help. You can't, the primal wound is there and there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you didn't do or did do. You did everything right. And I, I always say the adoptive parent has the hardest job because You do have to deal with that and you do have to bring it up. And I am seeing, um, more people talking about that and seeking the education, which I love. I was just on a blog or a a Reddit yesterday where a guy was, um, talking about adopting these two girls that he was fostering him and his wife. And, and he was seeking, like, he was like, I know these girls have had trauma. I need help what do I do? What do I say? How do I do this? You know? And I was like, thank you. Thank you so much for even asking the question. You yeah. Know? So there was a bunch of people that gave him some yeah. great advice and everything, but I was just like, man, I gave him some advice. I was like, if there's anything you need or want to ask or whatever, like just, you know, let me know. Cause I'm here to help. I was just elated. That's the first time I've seen that I've seen anybody seeking that advice, you know? And I was like, finally, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I love
1: it. I love it as well. Um, I, I mean, another thing is I, I do remember that, um, you see, my mum, my adopted mum, um, is, is, is quite sensitive and emotional. And I know when she found out that as a black, um, as a teenager, you know, all my life, I should have been creaming my skin, for example. Mm. And she was really upset. Not with me, or but with herself, with herself, or with 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 it all that she just didn't know that, you know. She was like, "I'm so Mm. sorry." She was like, "Really, I'm so sorry that I, you know, I wasn't." She was misinformed, you know, or just wasn't told. And I felt for her, and it's like having that relationship with my mom and knowing what my mom's like. She's my mom. These a lot of these revelations I'm having as much as you can say, you know, yes, you did. Right. You couldn't have done any different. I know that it's going to hurt. And I've spent so long. I realize taking the hurt away from others Mm -hmm. and having it on myself. And there's, and there's a time Mm -hmm. now where I'm stopping doing that, but when it comes to my mom, it's different.
0: Yeah. Which brings me to this, um, That I had written down to ask you. You had put on Facebook a, a like a meme, and it said, sharing my story is not seeking attention. Actively processing my childhood wounds openly without shame is not living in the past. It's how I'm healing. And it is one of the bravest things I have ever done. And you have even said, and I say too, it's hard to talk about our personal stories, you know, um, and put it out there. But why do you think so many adoptees feel that we can't talk about our stories until our adoptive parents pass or maybe never, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't, I, why do we feel that I way? I get that. And I, still. I think the point I've just raised is, is a lot of that.
1: It's like, we're aware, especially if you've had that, good adoption i hate it the word's not right is it good i know know? but you know what i mean if you've had you've been lucky
0: the experience was positive felt the love
1: and you love your parents Mm -hmm. then yes for that reason
0: yeah you're still trying to hurt them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
1: but i remember when i did share my story um the first time and if you go back to the video because it's a video that's on youtube you can hear i think that, that that was the first time that i'd really done that shared um when i'm talking about my mother's death mm-hmm. fight you know mm-hmm. you can, i i can i can see like wow that was a real healing experience for me not just that but after that all of that the receiving of that yeah the, the, you know Absolutely no self-preservation in this at all. It's like, oh my goodness! It was like, I, I want to do more of this because this, as a communicator, is healing. Yeah, this is helping. This is yeah. you're getting it out, and and that's the problem. Is everything's in like mm-hmm. so far in, even we can't process it.
0: Yeah. Well, you're in survival mode from day one. You know, really, yeah. and. Um, You lose your authenticity, I think, when you're in survival mode, because you're doing whatever you can that you're not consulting yourself, you're doing whatever you can just to live another day or even another moment, really, you know, and so you lose yourself because you never check in with yourself. You're always like, well, I got to do this so I can get to tomorrow, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about adoption fog a little bit, because you wrote a chapter in a book called The New Woman, right? Well, The New Woman is
1: the book. So it's an anthology. So it's The New Woman uh, by Ritu Sharma. And mm-hmm. I'm one of the authors inside that book. Okay. So it's my first published chapter. Okay. And um, The New Woman is actually doing really well, uh, which is great for all the authors in there. There's about 32 of us in there. Oh, wow. Uh, but I think I'm going to bring that story
0: out of that book into its own right as well. Mm. Um But you said that when you wrote that you were still in the, you were still in the fog at that time. I was still in the fog. It
1: was actually last year, um, April time, 2021 that I wrote that. And yeah, I was in the, I was in the fog until February, 2022. Mm.
0: So did something trigger you coming out of the fog? What?
1: Yeah. So I've studied um, hypnotherapy and I'm also in a like hypnotic thing, group, um, thing on Facebook Mm -hmm. And there was something that someone said on there, there was a question about something, and there was a response that mentioned the frozen baby. And there was, have you tried the frozen baby something or a blah blah blah? And I was like, straight away, what is that? Yeah. And I said to him, I want to know more. What what are you talking about? It wasn't even my thread. I was just straight in there. I read it and I was just straight into this guy. What is this? Yeah. And he was like, um, he said, I'll explain it to you. Because we we work together as hypnotherapists, so I'll explain it to you and da-da-da-da. So I talked to him on a zoom like the next day and within two minutes, he's telling me he's an adoptee and that conversation, we were on the zoom for about an hour and a half. Mm. So that was, and I've, I've since done a podcast with, with Steve about that Mm -hmm. it's on my channel because it was that, that is, it was him. Wow. he, There was a, um, when he went through the frozen baby and his adoption and how he managed, because he he was explaining to me for himself, his core self was frozen from the moment he was separated from his birth mother, his core self. And his belief is, as an adoptees, a lot of us, is like, you you got to unfreeze that core self. And there's, for some, there's only certain ways we can do that. Now that resonated with me because I was like, there's somewhere I just can't go. There's something stopping Mm me and anyone else getting to this mm-hmm. place and so this frozen baby kind of made sense to me yeah something's frozen yep and he did this frozen baby hypnosis with me there and then on that on that oh, call oh wow and it was wow mm. it was really wow um and then soon after that call something happened um with a cousin who um who Whose daughter had taken her own life and she was only 13. Mm. Now, what I remember is this feeling of guilt. It was like really weird because I'd spoken to the mother of the girl that had, that had ended her life. And for some reason in my head, I felt incredibly guilty. I felt like guilt like I've never felt before. Wow. And what this was like the start of something happening. Because what I was realizing is this guilt was coming from somewhere else. It was not practical for it to be coming out around what was what was what was going on. Yeah. It was co I and mean, even I noticed that. Yeah. It was like I was suddenly aware that there was this feeling of guilt. And it it was it was it was, a, it was huge because it, it made me realize that I this is the guilt that I was feeling when I was younger mm. Um, around the time of 12, 13 years old. Mm. I cannot tell you, Melissa, how powerful this feeling of guilt was. I mean, it was unbelievable.
0: And what g- guilt from like your, it, the connection it, with your mother that you couldn't save her or what was the guilt? Um,
1: Why was I guilty? I think I felt guilty. Um, I felt like everything was, was, I, I believe from the moment I was abused, I felt bad. I felt it was my fault. Mm. And I think everything that happened after that was bad and my fault. Mm-hmm. And so I've always carried a lot of guilt and shame, you know, yeah. and and I really felt just how powerful that emotion of guilt and feeling bad. You know, bad. Like this it was horrible, horrible.
0: Yeah.
1: I had to do some real self healing work on myself for a good few days to get out of that. Um, and I don't know whether what Steve did opened up something. I don't know. Yeah. Um uh, maybe it was all a bit too quick. I don't know. But
0: So what is it like coming out of the fog for you, like for you personally? What did it look like? The truth. Hmm. The truth. Everything that I
1: had felt when I was younger, that I felt was, well, that I felt this desperation, this connection, this... Desperate
0: wanting was real. It was validated by yourself at that point.
1: It, it was validated by myself and valid- validated by lots and lots
0: of other adoptees. Mm. Yeah.
1: And that. You know, I mean, the two and two come together. You sort of, you know, Steve was an adoptee. He wasn't in these groups, although he did introduce me to them. So then I got into the groups. So the two and two go together because you find out more that actually this is real. This was real. This pain was warranted. This guilt was there. Mm -hmm. This, it was no wonder you packed that away. Yeah. And, and tried your best. No wonder you smoked thank God you didn't do heroin yeah. because you needed something yeah. because those emotions and feelings were real. And yet I never had that feeling.
0: Yeah. It's nice to, to have that validation with other adoptees. And then at the same time, it's sad. It is. Cause it's just so many. Yeah. It's, it's all of us. It's all of us. Right. To certain degrees, you know, but we all, have it it doesn't matter what the experience was after birth we all have it yeah that's what's yeah. it's just sad so i also saw another thing that you put on facebook and you said that you have uh you call your adoption trauma your painfully beautiful yeah because there's like
1: two at the moment there's two things going on that's what it feels like yeah it's like this is painful Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the loss of my birth mother like that feeling when I was in the lounge hugging the social worker that incredible belly cry that was soon after that Mm. night which probably I was crying was soon then just suppressed and then packed away because what else do you do when there's no one actually, you know, probably scared to talk to me about it, probably afraid to talk about it because they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. So it's suppressed. Yeah. And, yeah. um, that's what I've been feeling. I've been feeling the pain. I've been getting connected with my birth mother. Um, which I feel. Is a, is, is a beautiful journey in a way because she's not here. And I mean that, I mean that sincerely. She's not here. So I can still use my imagination. I can still dream and do the work to connect with her without getting any further hurt. Yeah. But it's painful. The grief, the loss, the revelations, the knowing that Actually, a lot of the stuff that happened maybe wouldn't have happened if
0: I hadn't have been adopted, but who knows you know yeah, were you able to get any answers from your brother since he lived with her? Did he remember her? Did he have any revelations to tell you about her? She didn't she is I, she loved him
1: but he would he could be out like till 11 at night
0: i mm. she had a lot going on yeah yeah
1: you know and he he witnessed things as well mm. um
0: so yeah not all beautiful happy rosy stories i'm afraid and um, that was your only sibling from her
1: i had another i have another sibling from her an older sibling that I always knew about and I did find him. And when I found him, he was in prison and at that point I probably should have just left it alone. But, um, because I'd also through, I, I'd found an uncle and I remember I wasn't really interested in the uncle. Mm -hmm. I wanted to meet my brother Mm -hmm. and I, I I probably should have left it alone because he was in prison and I may write a book about this one day because it was, um, pretty crazy what happened. Uh, I mean, he did come out of prison and he did end up staying with us, me and my husband, and we did have a really good relationship. But, um, things did break down mm-hmm. when it came to feelings and what those feelings actually really were. Um, you know, I won't go into too much more, but I had a lot of feelings for him. And I think I felt quite responsible in some ways because our birth mother left him and then went to another city and got pregnant with me. Mm. And then he ended up getting adopted by an aunt, an older aunt, and his life was just went from bad to worse from then on. So for me, I think there was a, a lot of not guilt but I felt like oh my god this is my opportunity to to really like you know make you and help you feel like Mm -hmm. but I feel that that was taken the wrong way Mm -hmm. and therefore what I got back was difficult to deal with yeah and um I was at the time that and around the time I was, I'd asked, I'd asked my husband to marry me. And um, we have been together for, for 11 years. And he had asked me years before. And we, I threw my ring at him. We had a lot of turmoil in our relationship. So when it came to this point, I asked him. And this was all going on at the same time. And it's around that time that my brother, um, I haven't seen him since. Mm. So I've been married
0: for 17 years. So I haven't seen him for about 18 years he stayed away. That's what's another thing that I've noticed is, um, a lot of adoptees, they'll have a positive reunion experience. And then as it goes down the road, it falls apart. The wheels come off, you know, the cart. And that's kind of what happened to me as well. And I'm like, what is that all about? Like, I think it's maybe expectations aren't being met. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Cause it was actually my birth mom that kind of put the end to it. Not totally an end. Cause she said, you know, if you ever need to like, ask me a genetic question or whatever, but she was just like, I can't have, you know, try and have this level of a relationship with you right now. And I was just kind of like feeling rejected all over again, you know, with that. And I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> what just happened? Mm. <laughs> you know? Um, So it was just kind of weird. And then I uh, reached out to her, not, I don't know, a few years, four years ago, and we went back and forth with emails a little bit, but again, it was just like, I kind of felt like this control, like she was trying to control me a little bit and stuff. And I was just like, eh. And then I was going back and reading some of the, um, the emails that went back and forth. And I was like, oh my God, you are a bitch. (laughs) Like. You need to go back and apologize to this poor woman. <laughs> Whatever you you were thinking, it was her. And now I'm, you know, cause I'm, I'm out of the fog now and I can look at it differently. Right. Yeah. It's like, that was not very nice. <laughs> it's like, I still, no. I know I need, I do. I need to like, I need to send her a message. My daughter asked me every once in a while, have you sent that yet? I'm like, no, no, um, I need to. <laughs> I did apologize for throwing the primal wound book away after she gave it to me though. Cause. Oh yeah. I wasn't ready for it at all. You weren't. I no. wasn't. And you have to be ready for that book. Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough read. You have to be in a spot where you can read it objectively. And. Um, I read it as, in defense mode. I was in defense mode when I was reading it. Nope. That's not me. That's not me. Nope. That didn't happen to me. <laughs> None of this applies to me. So I threw it away. Uh, but now, obviously, I can read it and, and, you know, take this and that and be like, okay, I'll I'll own that part, but not that part. <laughs> but I can do that now, right? Yeah.
1: I'm getting it, but it's... I'm getting the book um, in September, friends going to the UK and bringing it
0: over for me. So uh, it's not easy where I am to get it. So I'm looking forward to getting that. I still haven't got in through the whole thing the second time. I, I have to... Take it in little bites, you know. Even still, um, it's just a lot, and it's a lot to digest. You come across things that you haven't thought about, you know, before. Yeah, that do apply, and you're just like, whoa. And I'm not one to um, play the victim to anything, really, you know. But you have to kind of meet yourself where you're at, and you do have feelings about it. And that's another thing is I don't really show a lot of emotion. I don't have a lot of feelings about really anything, you know. Another defense mechanism that I have inherited. Well, no, I'm kind wound. I'm
1: kind of the same, but I'm but I'm for other people, I really am. I really have, mm-hmm. But really for myself i I, i've always felt that like i'm not really there's something
0: not quite right yeah i think it's because we're we always feel like we have to be okay yeah we're always fine you know we're always fine even though we're not so i think um maybe that has something to do with it but but i don't know i don't know (laughs) Uh, that's a good point there's so much there's so much and i feel like we're never gonna we're never gonna uncover everything. It's just so huge. It's so huge. Yeah.
1: Well, I feel like, because um, I'm a trauma coach, trauma release coach, and um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's because I have worked on my traumas. Yeah. Just not this one yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I'm ready. And and yeah. I, and I, and I look, when I read the stories and all the heartache and they're mm-hmm. like,
0: oh,
1: I, I just I I like. I feel like I'm in good stead because I have done the work. I've got the tools. I've just never gone this deep before. And I do believe that we're handed these things when we are ready. Mm -hmm. And they're taken away when we can't deal with them. And that's what that guilt was. It was like, of course you're not going to. I mean, I would have, and maybe this is where it triggered, like my cousin's daughter Mm. at 13, you know, with that level of feeling of guilt, I would have done the same. I would have done the same. There's no way a 13 year old can handle that kind of emotion yeah. inside their little bodies. Right. So it was such a triggering time, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, no, was only now I'm thinking maybe it was that, that what was kind of coming through as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe it's, um, but I, you know, it's, it's, I have worked, um, I have worked a lot on myself. Um, and I, I feel now it's, there is, there is a lot of light at the end of this for all of us. Yeah. And I'm going back and I'm just revisiting how I've managed to get to where I am and carry on this, but also consciously being aware of not denying myself mm-hmm. any longer and not pretending anymore and being true to myself yeah because all that's what I haven't been doing right. but actually I have been doing really well I've written a book I'm a speaker I'm a coach mm-hmm. I'm doing all these things and I'm helping a lot of people which is what I know I'm here to do right so I'm feeling no we we can get through this and I was lucky that I dealt with all those traumas but actually wow yeah how mad is it that i didn't even know this one was there but this is like so huge yeah and that's what a lot of people are dealing with as their first trauma for the first time and that's wrapped up with many many other traumas maybe abuse or who knows because that's what yeah. follows trauma and i
0: think that's kind of where we connect is um we are working on ourselves but we're also doing it not only for ourselves, but for other adoptees too, to help, you know, give a hand up to them. And there's so many that are just, I just, they're stuck. They're stuck in the trauma and they just can't even, they don't even know what to do next. You know, they, they don't no And maybe they can't move at this moment. They need to sit in it, you know, but it's just so hard to hear I think they need, they need adoptees. They
1: need, I now know why, or I look back and I think as a speaker, as a coach, as a mindfulness teacher, and now I'm going through this, it all makes Mm -hmm. sense. Adoptees need adoptees. We need each other. We need to become coaches and therapists Mm -hmm. so that we can share our experiences with with these adoptees Mm one-on-one and let's get everyone through it because there there isn't enough people out there doing it while adoption is rolling out and making so much money. There's never going to be the resources for adoptees right. unless we all army up together. And, and I now realize that absolutely is my purpose. Yep. So Donna, hurry up, get through this trauma <laughs> for as long as it takes. And, um and then I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And and I do believe there's light at the end of the tunnel. If I can feel this and do all of this, and yet there's still stuff there um and master this, Being true to yourself throughout as an adoptee. I honestly believe we can get through this. And I think all adoptees should be writing a book, speaking their story, singing songs, writing poetry, doing whatever medium, art, whatever it is that works for them, like get it out because none of this should have been in there in the first place. So let's get it out.
0: And our vulnerability, being vulnerable makes us um, relatable. So um, just even hearing somebody say, you know, I'm here to listen to you or help you out, but I'm going, I'm going to be authentic to you and say, I'm struggling too, you know, but let's, let's, let's help each other. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not coming yeah. to you saying I have all the answers and I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to get through your, you know, your trauma, but Um, just being vulnerable and having that authenticity and putting it out there, I think makes us more human and more relatable and, um, more received, better received.
1: Yeah. And we're only, we're only just a couple of steps
0: ahead, you know,
1: or, or behind someone a little bit ahead, Mm -hmm. you know, we're all, you know, we're all we all sh- really should be helping each other. And we are, yeah. I, sh- I find yeah, I think in the so adopted too. arena. We really are. We've really got so much in common. It's- I
0: know it's crazy, right? Here you think you're all alone this whole time. And then you're like, oh man, there's all these people. <laughs> I didn't know. But the, from an outsider view, people would
1: be like, oh yeah, of course you're all adopted. And that would be mm-hmm. it. And it'd be like, you haven't got a clue. Mm-hmm. And it really is like a, t- a different world, Yeah, isn't it? It isn't it? its
0: yeah. It's so great. So, I didn't know these groups existed, so it's real it's maybe. yeah, my mind has been blown definitely. Like I said, you feel like you're all alone in it and um, you have no one to talk to this whole time, and then all of a sudden you've got hundreds of people, you know, yeah. and they're like, yeah, me too. It's like, what? <laughs> Wait
1: and and so someone questioned, and I did think about, you know, wouldn't it be easier just to go back? You know, just to go back, like hide back Mm. into the stone, like into the, and actually, because it is, because it's painfully beautiful, as I said, the pain of it all, but you can't. Yeah, And actually, what is it that we always wanted when we were younger? What is it? We wanted the truth. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We wanted the truth. Yeah, And now we're getting it. Mm -hmm. So actually, yeah, that's mine that's mine and and thank goodness it is now and it's taken these groups for it to be shown to me now and not when I'm 70 or 80. Can
0: you imagine? Oh my gosh. Some of these people aren't finding out till they're in their seventies that they were even adopted. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. I mean, that's just, it's just. You and I both knew, always knew we were adopted.
1: Always knew. I just always knew it was, it was just something I don't remember being told. I just always knew. Yep. Yeah. And that was the,
0: best gift I think that my adoptive parents could have given me was that I'm like so thankful because yeah, at I'm first they weren't they weren't going to If you look at my baby book they wrote a bunch of stuff that didn't happen and then my mom went and scratched it out and put you know nope we're not doing that so
1: wow yeah they kept my name as well which I was pleased about oh, okay my name and my middle name um oh, okay so Donna Marie which you know, they didn't, they didn't have to, they could have changed it. And I've heard that as well. And I, it,
0: I don't think my parents knew what my, what my birth mother had named me. Oh. So I don't think they had that option, but. So what new things do you have coming up? What's, uh, what's cooking now? <laughs> what's cooking now? Um,
1: well, I'm, I'm still going, I'm going through it all. Um, but I definitely feel signposted to work with um, adoptees. And not just adoptees, but the whole triage, mm. like birth mothers and adopted moms. I think it's really important. Like, for example, my brother who was adopted, yes, absolutely should have been adopted. His birth mother had, um, passed now. And I think my uncle was approached. So I think family were like considered, but actually it was good and it helped him. And it's, it, it's, you know, he's got great parents. So it's not that I'm saying adoption needs to stop. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not that Mm -hmm. at all. I I was going to be adopted. Thank God I went to where I did and not to a care home because care homes in the city. Now we found out in the eighties was rife of child abuse, Mm. sexual abuse. So I was going to leave my birth mother anyway. That part was out of my control. So it's not that per se. It's the process. Like you were saying, the father that was looking into trauma. Yeah the birth mother being supported. I found out from my uncle that my birth mother attempted suicide three months after I was adopted. Mm. So what does that tell you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What does that tell me
1: now? Right. So, What does that tell my adopted mom now?
0: The resources. There's no resources. There's no resources. You're just supposed to, you did the right thing. You gave, you know, you did the right thing for your child and you're, is supposed to move yeah. on
1: and what annoyed me when I saw one of these um campaigns with regards to the money going up for the transaction of adoptees mm-hmm. was a lot more money's going into emotional support well where's that going yes where is that yeah. extra I know however many million billions of pounds is that actually really going and I don't know I, I feel like my yep. journey is going to be um Dipping in, researching and looking into all that. I am not in the right space to be doing that at the moment. But as I'm on this journey, I am being approached and seeing lots of other people that have got the same ideas in mind. Mm -hmm. This is about support for everybody concerned. Yeah. And if the powers that be aren't going to do it and just carry on rolling this out, then we have to yeah. do something. And I'm, I'm loving the fact that there does seem to be an awakening. I think you mentioned that, Melissa, mm-hmm. like there's definitely awakening, especially on um, international adoption month. Mm-hmm. Now I'm excited okay. about November. Yeah. Because it's not like celebrate forever families and recruit more adoptees so much anymore. It's adoptees talking about their experiences. Oh, yeah. And that's the truth that I'm excited to be here this year for that and the next 50 years or however long I've got left on this planet, knowing about this, this is my truth and positively with a positive mindset and a spin on it because it always helps, you know, looking at this as a gift because it's horrific and awful that it is and was. I am now in a position or soon will be to massively help mm-hmm. other adoptees because of my experiences. Yes. So maybe just maybe I chose this for this. Right. And I think to have that kind of perspective and mindset doesn't do you any harm because, you know, that, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't want to go back and do it all again. That's what I always say. I'm not going to go through something unless I learn from it and I'm helping somebody else through it because otherwise (laughs) it's a waste. It's a waste of, um, of something that happened to you. You can totally turn that around and make it a positive for yourself by helping other people. I, I, yeah, that's the whole purpose of it.
1: Yeah. That's what I've been doing, but I didn't realize that I was in this survival mode and pretending and actually. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So that's the big change of coming through this fog mm. is like, you know, authenticity. Yes. Um, on my identity and really acknowledging who I am. I look at my sisters. They're all so cheeky. So am I. <laughs> I imagine I wouldn't have been this little like quite shy girl actually, and maybe wouldn't have been abused because the cheeky ones running around shouting their mouths don't tend to get abused. It's usually the shy, quiet mm-hmm. ones. So it makes you wonder how much of this adoption trauma primal wound was the cause for the other traumas. Oh, and yeah. as a trauma coach, that makes sense. Trauma doesn't stop. It carries on mm-hmm. until you're, you're, you're validated and understood. Right.
0: That is so true. Validation so huge in um, healing. I don't think, um, Until you feel like you are being heard uh, in where you're at. I always say I like to hold space for people wherever they're at because you need that. I think it's key and healing to feel like you've been heard. Then you can move on. I think
1: I spoke to an adoptee. I'll just share this um, before Mm -hmm. we end. But I spoke to an adoptee, one of the first adoptees that I spoke to after um, finding all the groups. And I was telling her about when I was at school and I always used to draw a picture of a house with a door and four windows. And in fact, when I was five and I went to infant school, I got into trouble because we were supposed to be drawing something else. And I drew a house (laughs) with a window. (laughs) And and this adoptee that I was talking to, I can't remember her name now, but she, um, she got really emotional. She was like, oh, my God, that's what I used to do. And it was like wow, and it actually does make sense because a house before it's a secure, you know, and and um, to hear so soon into coming out of the fog that another opt- adoptee used to do that, yeah,
0: it's
1: just wow, <laughs> you know, and that's the connection, that's the, you know, that we 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 have, and yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it's just so freeing to be able to express in those groups um, because it's not well-received. You sound ungrateful, especially if you grew up like us in a good adoptive family, you sound ungrateful bringing these things up and then, and then you feel bad, you know, about yourself. And so you just don't. So it's so nice to have these groups where you can say anything and you're not going to get judged At all, you know, in fact, you have people come alongside you saying me too, you know, it's like the me too movement of adoptees. Yeah, it (laughs) it
1: really is, isn't it? Me too, me too.
0: (laughs) Well, I saw uh, something else that you said or posted, and it said, I no longer look for the good in people, I search for the real, because... While good is often dressed in fake clothing, real is naked and proud, no matter the scars. And again, I just want to reiterate, I just love your vulnerability and your authenticity because you're sharing your journey. And what I love most about it is that you're not only looking for answers for yourself, but you're kind of paving the way for other people as well. And you're taking us all on the ride with you, which is so cool. So as adoptees, I mean, we all have that primal wound, like we talked about, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to define you. It's a label that we have. We can't get rid of it, but we don't have to be stuck. And I love that that's kind of the direction that you're going, same as me. But I just really wanted to thank you for being brave because it is time for all of us to be brave and step out. And um, so, you're showing other adoptees that it's okay. And so I just think that's, that's great. We got it. It's time to educate the world. So let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you.
1: I I had, I had that. I had that in a comment. Someone said brave and I, and I said, and when they mentioned it, I was like, what does she mean? I don't know. And and then when I replied back to her, I was articulating it in my mind. I was like, actually, you know, that first talk I did was in 2016 which is what four, six years ago. Mm -hmm. So for me now, this is, I feel guided and it feels right. Yeah, And I've gotten more confident as well with my communications. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it doesn't feel brave anymore. It just feels right. And I feel guided. Um, to, to share, I feel it's like with doing a, being a speaker, yeah, and a coach, makes sense. And mindfulness mm-hmm. is that like when I look back, I was like, I was obviously yep, being guided definitely. because now it all makes sense, you know? So this is this fun sharing my vulnerability and share. It's like it
0: was your, your purpose.
1: Yeah. It's, it's part and parcel of my healing and I'm a healer. So it's, yeah, I'm a healer. So I'm, I'm not yeah. going to keep it in. Obviously, there are, there are things. Right
0: yeah you don't have to yeah you know m- not gonna share yeah well thank you so much for coming on mind your own karma it was a great conversation and I hope to do it again so when you write your book <laughs> yeah or come out with a course or something let's let's get back together Definitely. and do it again thank you Melissa thank you Just blown away by Donna Marie's story on how she found her birth father's side of the family. Such a crazy coincidence. And she grew up in the same neighborhood and went on holiday with her sister and didn't even know it was her sister. She had been told she looked like this girl in town. They got mistaken for each other all the time, all the while not even knowing that they were related. It's just amazing. These stories are real life. These stories were lived by adoptees. This isn't the Hallmark Channel or a movie, although it definitely could be, but this is the life that many adoptees live. The twists and turns and the emotions and It's so much. It is so, so much. And this is what I want to educate you on. This is the truth. These stories are the truth about adoption and what really happens. The other thing that just blew me away, which I had never heard of until Donna brought it up, is the frozen baby. I had never heard that before, that the adoptee inside is still an infant that is frozen in the moment of trauma. And there's so many adoptees walking around that have no idea that there is a frozen baby inside of them that needs to be validated. I think for many adoptees, the validation is huge because we don't get that growing up and it's nobody's fault. Nobody knew back then that we needed that validation for the loss. But I just think it's just so beautiful when an adoptee talks about turning their pain into a positive and wanting to help other adoptees with what they're going through. That's the whole point to me of realizing coming out of the fog and wanting to help others come out of the fog as well. And there's so many adoptees getting on board to do that, that it's just so awesome to be able to collaborate with so many great people. If you are an adoptee looking for some support and somewhere to be able to talk about your experience, there is a Facebook group. Fireside Adoptees, it is a wonderful place for you. They have Zoom meetings that you can attend, you can talk or not talk, you can just listen if you want to, you can participate, you can post about your experience, anything that you want to share or need opinions on, it is just a safe place for you. So there's a link in the show notes, check it out. Last but not least, if you feel that you need to talk to a therapist please do not hesitate to do so. This stuff can be very triggering and can be very overwhelming. So please, please do not hesitate to reach out to a therapist. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Donna Marie. As always, take what you need and leave what you don't. And always remember to mind your own karma. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Mind Your Own Karma, the Adoption Chronicles. I've had listeners ask how they can help support this podcast. The best way to do that is rate and review this podcast directly on your listening platform. You have no idea how this small gesture helps get the word out about this podcast. Don't forget to click the subscribe tab to get notified of future episodes so you won't miss a thing. You can also find my Instagram and Facebook links below if you would like to follow and support me there as well. Lastly, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Adoption Chronicles season of the podcast, you can email me at mindyourownkarma at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.